Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! begin with the end in mind. Lord, thank you so much for today. God, you are so awesome. We love you. We worship you, Holy Spirit. We worship you, Lord. Lord, thank you for being just. Thank you for being right. Thank you for being perfect for us, Lord. Even in our imperfections, Lord, thank you that you are perfect. Lord, even in our, even in our lack, Lord, you make up the difference. Jesus, you are our silver lining. Hey, yes, you are, Lord. You are our silver lining what you did on the cross for us, and what you do, how you are interceding for us daily. Holy Spirit, how you are refining us and conforming us on the daily. You are our silver lining. Lord, we love you. We submit to you, Lord. We surrender to you, God. I thank you, Lord. Sow seeds into the hearts and minds of every individual in this room. Seeds, Lord, that in the right time that will bear fruit that remains in all seasons, God. I bind every every physical and spiritual and mental hindrance right now, Lord. I thank you. We are fertile ground for you to sow your your likeness, to sow your patience, to sow your grace, to sow your mercy. Lord, we are are fertile ground. We're the right type of ground for you to come in and do what you do best. Lord, in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. If you have a Bible, uh, we'll just go over Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, I think it is. That was one of the uh, scriptures we used the last couple of weeks. But in Colossians 3, verse 10, it says, For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. I love that. Paul says that you, talking about us, somebody say me. We have acquired new creation life, which means because Jesus died on the cross and risen from the grave, what he achieved, guess what? We have that. We have a new life. We have newness of life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you. So we are continually, that, that, think of it this way, you are daily being conformed into the image of Jesus. It's, it's, it's not a destination that's going to happen. You're not going to, you know, one day you're going to wake up, oh, man, you are fully looking like Jesus, sounding like him, talking like him. No, it's a, it's a daily process. It is a lifelong process all the way until your last day, your last breath upon the earth. But you are every day. You're being conformed. And I love this. Used to when I would think about this, I'm like, oh, man, why can't we, you know, you ever played a game or you ever, you know, you ever taken a road trip somewhere and you can't wait to get to that destination you know, if somebody were to tell you, well, you'll never get there. You, for the rest of your life, you're always going to be driving to that destination, but you won't ever reach it. We'll never, we'll, we'll be like, well, we'll do a different road trip. You know, we'll go to, you know, Bunk Gatlinburg, we'll go, you know, Knoxville, or we'll go to, you know, Chattanooga. I'm a, you, you know, if somebody were to tell you that, you would just out of, you know, natural sense, you'd be like, well, I'll find somewhere else that I can reach. And I remember thinking about that with, with this and with God. I'm like, Lord, why can't we reach that? You know, but actually it's for our benefit, the fact that he is continually defining us, continually refining us, continually conforming us. Why? Because we live in a day or we live in a world where every day there is a new piece of information that is trying to conform you. 
there's a new, there's something new in the world that has happened that reminds us of how dark it is. And if we're not careful, it begins to mold and shape our minds. It begins to, it begins to chisel away the hope that we have in Jesus. It begins to loosen the grip that we have on his promises. Amen. So every day as the, as the devil, every day as the spirit of darkness throws its jabs, guess what we have every day? The Holy Spirit is continually conforming us. Amen. One of my favorite Christian artists, he says, you know, when you come to handle me, there's another hand on me. When the devil comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy, remind yourself there is another hand, not just with you, but on you. You are in his hands. You are safe in his hands. Amen? Amen. Safe in his hands. Has nothing to do with the notes, but there you go. But I love this because Paul said that we are continually being conformed into the image. We are continually being made into the likeness of God. You know, so beginning with the end in mind, ultimately all it means is that we determine what our end goal is. You determine what your end goal is before you start a thing, before you start a project, before you start dating, before you put your hands on something, you determine what the end goal should be. And if you are make, if you made the decision to follow Jesus, it's not really you determining it. It's us saying, okay, Lord, before I do this, where, uh, what, what, what's the end result? What does the end result need to be? Lord, before I, before I say yes, Lord, is this something I need to per, uh, partake of? Lord, before I say yes, is this something I need to, is this a road I need to walk down on? And Lord, if it is, how does it need to go? And whatever he says, that is, that is the ultimate destination. Therefore, well, once you get that ultimate destination, once you get that, that understanding of, okay, this is what it needs to be, every decision, every conversation, everything that you do after that needs to land you at your ultimate destination, your desired destination. Think about it this way. We do it when we travel. You know, I, 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 I was telling Kellen, because Kellen, I, I put I threw Mommy in. And, and Nana and Dre, I threw everybody on the bus that went on Team Daddy. But Kellen, one time Kellen was like, or Kenan, Kenan said, Daddy, I would love to go to Hawaii. It's like, oh, you would? You take after your father, son. I said, let me tell you a story. I said, about a few years ago, we could have went to Hawaii, buddy. Yeah, plane tickets were, there were $20. There was nobody wanted to fly. You know, sickness was rampant in the land. I said, but Daddy found plane tickets for $20. Can you believe that, buddy? That's no concern to you because Daddy take care of you. I said, but listen, $20 plane ticket, that's the greatest thing ever. And Kenan's like, we could have went to Hawaii. I said, we could have. And, Ken and Kellen's like, I don't want to go to Hawaii because there's volcanoes there. I said, listen, you've been all right. You've been with me for $20. You coming to Hawaii. All right. I said the volcanoes on the other side where we would fly to be on the far side. As soon as we see a volcano, we take out. All right. Daddy, Daddy's got that sit sense. Okay. If I see lava, we running. I said, we ain't going to wait and see if the floor is going to turn it. We just gone. And I, and, uh, I was like, yeah, but we could have went. But you know what, buddy? Nana, your mama, and Dre, they didn't want to go. They, 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 they didn't want to go with us. What? What did they want to go? I don't know. You ask, you ask your Nana. You ask Auntie Dre. You ask your mama why they didn't want to go to Hawaii for $20 a ticket. I mean, I was just let, I was letting them all, I was letting them know all that. That was, uh, you know, but, and then Kenan's like, well, Daddy, maybe me and you could go to Hawaii. I said, oh, baby, we'll go. I said, but if we go, we get, we're going to bring everybody with us. He said, okay. Do you think they'll come with us? I said, oh, they'll come now. Things are a lot different now, I said, but trust me. But Kenan understood that if we ever took a road trip, that for sure him and, him and his daddy were going to go to Hawaii. 
You know, and I love this because whenever we plan a trip, if we're planning a road trip or if we're planning to fly somewhere, before you before you do anything, the first thing you do is you think about where it is you want to go. You know, if we're saying Hawaii or if we're saying I'm going to take a trip to Gatlinburg or I'm going to take a trip to New York, instantly that is, that's your desired destination. And watch this, everything you do after that is ultimately going to land you at that desired destination as far as, okay, I want to go to New York. How am I going to get there? You start looking up how long it's going to take to drive. And if you don't like that outcome, you're like, okay, let me look at plane tickets. And if you don't like that outcome, you're going to go back to, let me look at driving again. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's changed. Maybe I didn't put the right zip code in. You know, maybe, maybe I left out a, a, a number or something. Oh, you know, I, I did. I did. Okay. 15 minutes less than before. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew I, was, I knew someone was off, you know. But, you know, and then so we, we, we look at how we're going to get there. Okay. Well, how, you know, we figure out how much gas it's going to take. We figure, okay, is this going to be a, if, can we make this in a day or we got to split it up? Okay, then you start looking at hotels. What's, what's the halfway point? Oh, I don't know what that looks like. It looks like something off wrong turn. Okay, we're going to find somewhere else that we can stay. You know, what about this hotel? Not this motel. What about this one? It was a little pricey. What about this one? You know, what about a camper? If we're, are we going to go glamping or we're going to stay in, you know, indoor plumbing and receive the blessing of the Lord? That's all I'm saying, that he created indoor plumbing. Just leave it there. But... You know, so we start making all these decisions based off of our desired destination. And once we have that factored in, then we're like, okay, so we got the hotel. We, we know how we're going to get there. So what are we going to do when we're there at New York? So then we start determining all these activities that we're going to do while we're there because we are at our desired destination. So therefore, when you're planning a road trip, you actually are planning your beginning with the end in mind. But see, as Christians, we should be doing the same in our life. Amen. We should literally be doing the same as we follow Jesus. Why aren't we doing that when it comes to our God-given purpose for being on this earth? Why aren't we doing that? God began with the end in mind. God began with the end in mind. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, in the Passion Translation, uh, we'll put it up on the screen if you don't have it. But literally, Paul says, and he chose us, talking about God, he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, watch us, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. So before he began anything, he already had the end in mind, which was to be one with you. Amen? Be one with you. Watch us. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eye with an unstained innocence. For it was always, somebody say always. I like that. So, so the fact that Paul said it was always in his perfect plan doesn't mean that once, once Adam and Eve sinned and once mankind sinned, God was like, okay, let me back up and punt. That's one of, that's one of my fra- favorite phrases I learned from my father-in-law. We'd be working on different things, and we'd get to a spot where, like, he didn't know what to do. I definitely didn't know what to do because I was falling off him. And he, he knew, like, yeah, my son-in-law, he don't know what to do, but still, he loved me anyway. And I'm like, hey, Dad, what are we going to do? He's like, well, it's time to back up and punt. <laughs> and all that meant was let's, let's, let's get away from the car, take a drink, breathe, and think. So it wasn't like when, when Adam and Eve sinned. It wasn't like they caught God off guard. He was like, oh, snap. You know, when he was in the garden, Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking that because he literally didn't know Adam, where Adam, where, yeah, Gabriel, y'all seen Adam? Where he at? I thought he was over here with the crocodile. See, you know, over there, where's he at? Oh, God, hey, 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 myself, hey, where, where, where is he? No, he wasn't like that. It didn't catch him off guard. 
He wasn't having a backup and punt and trying to come up with another plan. It says that the fact that Jesus restoring your soul was always in his perfect plan. Watch this. It was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Now, I'll be honest. There are some days where we don't feel delightful. There's some days you get around some Christians and they ain't always delightful. They may be ratchet. They may be righteous. They may be holy and they may be hood. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, he still adopted us and views us as delightful children. Watch this. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us will glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one. Jesus, he has for us. Amen? Amen. The same love that he has for his beloved one, he has for us. That's why we said that you are the beloved of God. You are the beloved of God. All that means is that you are loved the same way that he's loved. Amen? And watch this. This unfolding plan brings him great what? Pleasure. Your existence brings God pleasure. Amen? Didn't say that, yeah, that your existence brings him pleasure as long as you are keeping up this particular measurement, as long as you are reading enough, as long as you are praying enough, as long as you are dressing the right way, as long as you are doing everything that everybody else in your sphere of influence is doing. No. Just your existence brings him pleasure. Amen. And he, in, in the very beginning, he had this in mind. Watch this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Peter says this. He says, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. This was part of God's plan. Uh Oh, here we go. God's plan again. For he was chosen and destined for this. So he was chosen and destined to sacrifice his life for you. Watch this. Before the foundation of the earth. Once again, Jesus, the fact that mankind sinned, that was not catching God off guard and God had to do a plan B or a plan C. No, it was always one plan, which was to be with you forever. Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 and 10 also says that his plan, when he unfolds it to us, is that he wants to be our God and we be his people forever. Amen. So I love this because it says that. Uh, for he was chosen and destined for this before the foundation of the earth was laid, but he has been made manifest in these last days for you. Amen. Last scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is really good. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, we have become his poetry. Wow. I'm not good at poetry. Anybody in here good at poetry? I remember there was a time in my life where I, I was a little kid in school, try to try to write a couple things, you know, try to couple write write a couple lines. Thought, you know, and then you know, poetry, you know, poetry wasn't as as cool as a kid, but rap was. So I'm like, okay, I, you know, try to write a couple, you know, all these different things. And and I remember one time, Drea, uh, back when she was still living with mom and dad, she found like one of my notebooks from high school. She's like, hey, and uh, she gave it to me. I was like, oh, so I looked at it, I read all the. I was like. Jerry, you didn't read this, did you? She said, maybe. I said, don't you judge me, okay? <laughs> don't you judge me. I don't know what I was thinking. And I, I don't even, I think I chunked it. I didn't think, I let Kelsey say, I was like, listen, she sees me, sir, well, I like to keep it that way, okay? She understands that I wasn't always like this, but, you know, I don't need her having the evidence. So we just, you know, psh, you know, whatever. But, you know, I love this because it says that we are his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny that he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were what? 
born, God planned in advance your destiny. Before you came upon this earth, before your parents decided to conceive you, before your parents were conceived, you were already planned in advance. Not just you, but your purpose. Not just your name, but your purpose. Planned in advance our destiny and the good words, I like that, and the good words we would do to fulfill it. It didn't just say he planned and crafted you and then you were left to do on your own. No, it says that not only were you planned, but the good works that you would do. So guess what? There is a plan for you to do good works. There is a, there is a plan that, uh, that there, is the, there is a plan of good that you are going to do on the earth. And you don't have to work up to it. You don't have to conjure up to it. You don't have to jump through all these hoops. No, the plan is already in play. I love that. The plane is in play. Yesterday at the soccer game, I remember when, the, uh, when one of the kids stepped out of the line, I heard the ref say, well, the ball's still in play. And, it's, and I'm sitting in my chair, and I was like, ooh, that'll preach right there. Still in play. Stepped out of bounds. I was, mm-hmm. I was like, the kid stepped, but the ball didn't go out of bounds. Everybody's sweating, and we wiping off the sweat bees and swallowing the sweat, but here I am just, yes, uh-huh. Come on, preacher ref. Tell us again. The ball's still in play. I, I can see myself literally just saying, come on, church, say the ball's still in play. <laughs> and then that, reality, that dream got broken with, you know, Cohen, daddy won't snack, oh, snack. I was like, the kid's still in play, you know. <laughs> the, the baby's still in play, oh, gosh. <laughs> just so y'all get a glimpse of what my mind, how my mind works. Even in, even in the soccer field and sweating in 90-degree weather, I'm still... Still preaching and hooping to myself. <laughs> but I love it because literally you, there's a plan for your life to do good. So therefore, where we are placed at, that means that where we are placed at, that's part of God's plan as well. Willings, I may not have been placed in the best home. I may not have been placed in the, in the ideal city or in the ideal town. It doesn't matter if it's ideal or not. It, all that matters is did God put you there? If you are literally in a space where God puts you, then guess what? You, you stick right there. But if you have literally moved, uprooted yourself out of God's plan of goodness for your life, then I encourage you, get back in the plan of God. Get back in the plan of goodness. Because you think about it, what's the opposite of goodness? Nobody wants that. Nobody wakes up in the morning. Nobody goes to Walmart and goes up to one of the cashiers and says, hey, do you have any items that are out of stock? I hope you have items that are out of stock. That's a part of my plan, to come here and shop for items that you don't have. Nobody says that. We are all hoping, like, Lord, let them just have one more. Or maybe two. Lord, let them have two more. Just, just give me two, God. Give me two. I'll settle for one, but, Lord, because you're good. Lindsay, say you're good. You're a good plan, Lord. Lord, just let them have two. You know, we never pray for the opposite of God's will. We're always praying for, God, let it be your will. God, let your goodness and mercy flow on me and follow me all the days of my life. Lord, let me dwell in your presence forever. Lord, just as David said, Lord, the one thing I desire is to be in your house, be with your people, be surrounded by you all the days of my life. We personally should be, get, should be beginning our days. We should be beginning everything we put our hands to. We should be beginning it with the end in mind. God did so. When he began everything, he had the end in mind, which was to be one with us. Amen. As human beings, as a parent, as a parent, we should be beginning parent. We should be beginning parenthood with the end in mind. Andy and and Sandra Stanley, they have this book. It's one of my favorite books. It's called Parenting: Getting It Right. 
I mean, the, it's in the title. And I'm like, getting it right. I mean, that's a bold statement. You think you could get? You ain't met my kids, Dr. Stanley. So let's see. I remember I read it, read it from first page all the way to the end. Like I, I'm, I, you would have thought I was watching a Netflix show. I mean, I, I sopped it up, drunk it up, ate it up, grilled it up, chewed it up. It wasn't low and slow. Last Sunday we talked about low and slow. No, it was fast. I was like, this is good. So much I had to reread it. But they had the state. The, they have the statement in there. When it comes to parenthood, how we how we can parent with the end in mind and and the ultimate goal as a parent should be kid uh, to where we are our kids who enjoy being with their parents and each other, even when they no longer have to be. That's a relation, a, a relational goal. But as parents, we we should have this relational goal where our kids enjoy being with us and each other, even when they don't have to be. And, you know, I've talked to Kelsey about this, and I'm like, so therefore, you know, once I've reread that, I'm like, there's certain things I think about right before I do something with the boys. I think about, okay, is this something that's going to produce later when they become adults that they want to be with me? Or is this going to be something that produces the fear of they don't want to be with daddy because of this? Or is this going to be something that causes a complex? I don't know if you ever heard that before. Is this going to be something that becomes an issue? Or is this going to be something that becomes a blessing? As they become adults, as parents, that's something that we should strive for. We should strive for a relational goal of kids, our kids enjoying being with us and each other. That's the other thing. I got to make sure my kids, bless their hearts, they wake up fighting. Kellen King this morning woke up fighting. I, don't, I, don't, I think they was fighting over a pillow. Now, I, I didn't get that. I was like, I remember telling them, I was like, y'all just got up and we already at this. I remember we, they come downstairs, say, hey to dad. They're like, morning, G daddy. Sitting down, they're at the table. Put the plates of breakfast. They start fighting over the breakfast. I was like, y'all have the same thing. What are we fighting over? He's got pain. You got pain. He's got pain. You got pain. Y'all got water. <laughs> what are we fighting? There's nothing to fight over. So not only is my our goal as parents to make sure that they want to, they enjoy being with us even when they don't have to, but our goal is also to make sure they enjoy being with each other. So in that moment, I'm like, okay, Lord, I need your help. I need to implement something that later down the road, they're going to enjoy being with each other versus, you know, they get older. Man, you remember that time you stole my pancakes at breakfast that one Sunday morning for church? You know, I, I don't need that. <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> so therefore, everything I'm doing, I'm thinking about the end goal in mind. Even there was something that happened with Kenny yesterday and, and we was getting ready to do something. I told Kelsey, let's just. Let's just take a minute and think about this. Because in my head, I'm thinking about when he becomes adult, I want him to still enjoy being with us not, and, and not feel like he's obligated to be. You ever, you ever been with somebody out of obligation before? It's not fun. You ever ate a meal with somebody out of, out of obligation or gone over somebody's house out of obligation? It's, it's not fun. We don't enjoy doing things out of obligation. We don't do, we don't enjoy, that's why the Bible says that God enjoys, he enjoys mercy instead of sacrifice. Mercy instead of sacrifice. He enjoys the fact that you want to do it versus you got to do it. I remember when we moved to Florida, or right before we moved to Florida, I was, you know, when we was, when we was talking to the pastor and uh, he's telling me his schedule, he's like, He's like, I, uh, well, I got a funeral this one day, so I won't be able to do it. And he's like, well, you know, I take the back. I get to do a funeral, but, you know, the next day I'll be available. And when we hung up the phone, I was like, get to do a funeral? Why do you say get to do a funeral? Like, it's an opportunity. I wouldn't want to go to that. And I remember being around him, that was one of the things he taught me was, you know, there's a difference between got to and get to. You know, you got to out of obligation. I got to pay these bills. 
I got to be around this person. I got to call and check on them. Got to call and say, hey, got to show up to church. Got to lift my hands. Got to sing the songs. Got to read my Bible versus I get to read my Bible versus I get to have choices of whether I want to watch church online or I want to go and be with God's people in the house of God. I get to live in a country where there is a church on every street corner. I get to be in a country where I had the freedom to worship God or not worship God. I get to feed my children. I get to go to work. And I get the opportunity that if I don't like my job, I get to go online and hunt for another job. I get to, we get to, we get to, we get to. Live your life not out of obligation, but out of a get to. I get to do this. Lord, thank you that I get to do this. Lord, thank you that I get to go to the same job and I'm not hunting for another one. You know, a lot of times we complain, oh, I'm again. Here we go. Oh, I got to move these parts. Oh, I got to drive here. I got to do it. No, Lord, thank you that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scarcely trying to figure out where my next dollar is going to come from. But thank you that I get to go to the same place I went to last week and receive the same check that I got the, uh, the week before. I get to do this. Amen. Somebody say, I get to. So if we're beginning the, you know, with the end in mind, you know, we talked about as a parent, you know, we should be thinking about the end in mind as uh, when it comes to our careers. We should, we should choose our careers with the end in mind. What is it that you want to do? What is, where is it that you want to go? Who, uh, who do you want to see yourself become? You know, me and Kellen Friday night, and, you know, I know why he did this, but Friday night, you know, we put everybody to sleep because had early games in the morning. You know, Kellen come in. I th- uh, yeah, Kelsey was out, you know, out with, the, out with the girls, the sisters, not the misters, the sisters. And uh, <laughs> I just, I like saying that. I like it, whatever. And uh, it, the sisters, sisters were for misters. So, um, but, uh, but, you know, you know, Keenan, Keenan went out. He was, he went out hard. He's like, he was out like two minutes. And, you know, Kellen, Kellen comes in the room and uh, I'm watching something on TV, trying to put Colin to sleep, laying. He's, uh, I'm, I'm holding him up and Kellen's like, daddy, I'm scared. And I'm like, you ain't, what, what, ain't nothing happening outside. It ain't right. What, what you scared of? What you scared of? We already did the bedtime blessing. We hugged. We wrestled. What, what you scared of? He's like, there was something on Keenan's shelf. I was like, okay. I said, uh, but I knew what he wanted. He just wanted to be with his dad. Now, I had two options. I could have been selfishly be like, I really want to watch. I've been waiting this whole time. God, I can't watch the show in front of y'all because then y'all going to go do it. And then I'm going to get a call from the school. And that's, you know, we're going to be in trouble. I said, so I could have been like, Go back to bed. I got. I want. You know, this is my time. I had. A, I've been working along. We have been walking. All I could have. I could have had that moment, but I thought about. Can I create a moment that, 10, 20 years from now is going to? Can I sow a seed that twenty years from now is going to be the fruit is going to rise up and it's going to be him wanting to be with his dad even when he doesn't have to be. So I'm like, hop in the bed, hop in the bed. The TV's on now. You know, we're going to compromise. I ain't going to watch no cartoons, but we gonna, well, we'll find something that we both agree on. So we decided to watch one of our favorite players. He's got a documentary. We decided to watch Steph Curry. And we're watching it, and Kellen's asking questions. At one point, I had to tell him, you know, I had to go easy on him about, like, hey, we don't talk during, you know, you, you might do that with your friends, but when we're watching, you don't talk, okay? Like, you know, shh. Come on, comrade, shh, be quiet. So we're watching it. And, you know, I love this. I promise that I'm going somewhere. But, you know, we talked about uh, when it comes to our careers, choosing, uh, you know, before we choose, decide who is it we want to be, decide where is it we want to go, decide is what is it we want to do, and, and make that the end result, and then every decision be based off of that. But as we're watching this documentary, 
literally Steph Curry, he's, he's got all these accolades. I remember I wrote some of them down, but in this doc, it mentioned how he's the NBA MVP for 2015 and 2016. 2016 was a great year. He was an all-NBA team three years in a row. Finals MVP in 2022, best NBA player for the ESPY Award. He won the all-rookie team in 2010. He's, he's currently, now listen, he's currently under a four-year, $215.3 million contract. Two, yes, let me say that again. $215.3 million. Of course, Kellen's like, Kellen's like, that's a lot of money. I said, <laughs> I said, I said it is. You could buy a lot of Nintendo Switch games, couldn't you? His eyes were just, oh. I said, don't get any ideas. But, you know, they mentioned his annual salary is $53.8 million. Every $53.8 million, his final year of his deal is to be set to be made $59.6 million. So therefore, I don't know about you, but he's good for the rest of his life. He's good for the rest of his life. And even though he has all this, he decides to go back to college and finish his original degree. Why? Because he, two reasons. He made a promise to his mother and made a promise to himself, which was that he would finish, that he would graduate college. So before he ever considered playing in the NBA, he already had a goal in mind, which was, I'm going to be a college graduate. Then life happened. He ended up getting drafted and did great things and still doing great things. But ultimately, he still had the end in mind, which was, hey, I, every, even though everything else is going this way, still my first goal was this. So even though everything is going this way, we're just going to take everything and we're going to point it back to the direction of where I originally started. And I love this because even though if it was us, oh, you get that check, you're like, oh, yeah, we're good. Yeah, college, what's college? Like, you know, I could buy a college. But the fact that he had an end goal in mind, he shifted his whole life back to that end goal. What I'm saying is as Jesus followers, what is God's end goal for your life? Yes, we have life going on. Yes, we have this going on. Yes, we have relationships going on. Yes, we have kids or yes, we have jobs or yes, we have finances. Yes, we may have all these different projects that we have our hands upon. But at the end of the day, what is God's end goal for you? And if it's not lining up, then guess what? Take it and shift it. And if it can't be taken and shifted in the direction that lands you at the heart of God, then you need to let it go and get back on the path that lands you at the heart of God. And I love this because if we're going to follow Jesus, every aspect of our life should be pointing or should be leading us back to God's original purpose for us. His original purpose for placing you in Lexington, Tennessee. His original purpose for placing you at the address where you live. His original purpose for giving you the neighbors that you still don't talk to but you need to be talking to. His original purpose for putting you on the job, surrounded by the workers that you, that you co-work with. His original purpose for your life. And when you, if you look at every aspect of your life, there is a purpose for it. There is a purpose that you live beside the people that you live beside. There is a purpose that we work with the certain people that we work with. There is a purpose. Friday morning, I remember I got a blessing. I got a blessing. Got called to where I didn't have to go back in or go into work because of the weather. So part of me, as I'm driving back to town, I'm like, well, Lord, why, 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 why'd you have me get up, Lord? You knew that was going to happen. You know, because our mind starts, starts questioning God's blessing. You ever, you ever done that before? God blessing you instantly. You start double-guessing or second-guessing it and questioning. I'm like, God, why? You know, if you knew this was going to happen, why don't you just tell me to stay home and stay in the bed and get to sleep versus getting up at 4 in the morning? And I remember, you know, going into 
I was like, well, you know, I'm going to get me something. Since I'm up, I'm going to give me some coffee. It's a Friday. I'm going to treat myself. Give me some coffee. And the Holy Spirit, I ain't the saint of flits, but the Holy Spirit literally said, get Kelsey some coffee. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, Lord, I'm like, Lord, it's going to be warm time I get home. And I heard again, get her some coffee. I was like, all right, babe, I'm going to get her some coffee. So I ordered it too. So I had two orders. So I pull in the drive-thru and, you know, they're like, who is it? You know, or they don't say who is it, but, you know, because <laughs> you imagine, who is it? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I told him I had a mobile order for Lindsay. Okay, and uh, this, who? And I said, for Lindsay. And I heard a pause. And I was like, uh, you know, okay. She's like, okay, cool. Just come around and come around. And as I drive up to the window, it is somebody that I went to school with that I haven't seen in 15 plus years. I was like, oh, it's you. It's just, I knew it was you. I was looking at the little camera. And then in my back of my head, it's like, I didn't know y'all had a camera. Oh, snap. What else have y'all seen me do when I'm just waiting for y'all to, you know, does have, you know, all this. But, you know, I. Uh, as we're talking, the Lord gives me a chance to minister to this girl, just out of the blue. She's talking about all these different things and how she doesn't feel qualified for it. And I remember telling her, I said, hey, you're in a race with nobody. And she had a cup in her hand. She instantly put it down, and she's like, she looked at me. I mean, looked in my eyes and just, just began to tear up. And I said, you're in a race with nobody. Now, I didn't tell her, hey, make sure you read Ephesians 2, da 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 I didn't say, hey, make sure you turn some worship music on. No, I spoke to her God-given purpose, and I reminded her of it, which is, you are not in a race with nobody. And she's like, nobody's ever told me that before. I said, well, you remember. I said, you marked this day. I said, write it down on your phone. I said, you are in a race with nobody. And she's like, wow, I needed that. I said, hmm. He concluded our transaction, drove off, and I was like, Lord, that's why you have me to come. I said, yeah, I got a blessing with not having to go into work, but still, that's why you have me to come. Why? Because it's one relationship at a time. Our church grows with one relationship at a time. The kingdom of God grows with one relationship at a time. Everybody thinks that you got to have all these different things. It's one relationship at a time. Jesus didn't do a prayer line when he called the disciples. He went to where they were and got on the boat and talk to them one person at a time, one conversation at a time. Hey, if you want to be with me, come follow me. I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. What? Hey, you, you, hey, close up the tat shop. Come with me, Matthew. One relationship at a time. We grow. This church grows one relationship at a time. The kingdom of God grows one relationship at a time. Begin to have dinners with one neighbor at a time. Begin to help out your neighbors one neighbor at a time. Do, do small things one person at a time. Just one relationship at a time, amen? We begin with the end in mind when it comes to our marriage. Somebody say marriage. Whether it's marriages or whether it's relationships, at the end of the day, God already wrote down uh, the end result or the, or the finish line for us, especially the, uh, for us when it comes to the right type of husband, what the right husband looks like. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and I understand there's more scriptures about this, but because of time, I'm only going to do two. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul says, And to the husbands, you are to determine love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself. Watch this, 1 Peter 3, 7. Peter says this. He says, Husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be what? honored for they are co-heirs with you i like that they are co-heirs with you 
of the divine grace of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So listen, God has already given us a finish line of what the right type of husband looks like. So ladies, understand this. That is when you when you put this in the forefront before you look for a relationship. This is you beginning with the end in mind. This is you saying, okay, God has already said what my husband is supposed to look like. Now, he didn't say physically what they're supposed to look like. No, he didn't say anything about the attribute, like, but what their heart and mind is supposed to look like. At the end of the day, ladies, if you're pursuing somebody, when it comes down to this, your husband is supposed to be somebody that treats you and loves you the same way that Jesus loves you. That's all it is. One sentence, super simple. Can he love you the same way that Jesus loves you? The same way that Jesus loves the church. Guess what? Husbands, we, I'm not just bashing on us. Or I'm not just putting us under the spotlight. But also God reveals to us what the right type of wife looks like. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 24. Paul says this, verse 22 and 24. <clears throat> oh, you're good. Chapter 5. I thought I'd put it in there, but I might have not. Oh, we're doing good on time. Yep, 22 and then 24. He says this. He says, for wives, this must mean, this means being devoted to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. And then verse 24, in the same way the church is devoted to Christ, let the wives be devoted to their husbands in what? Everything. So therefore, all roads in marriage should lead back to the husband loving his wife the exact same way Jesus loves the church and the wife loving her husband the exact same way that Jesus loves the church. That's it. That, if you begin a relationship with that in mind, when you're looking for somebody, okay, is this somebody that has the potential to love me like Jesus loved me? Because if you can't love me like Jesus, you got to go, you know. Don't let the door hit you with a, you know, I mean, you ain't got to. But at the end of the day, that's our ultimate goal. Can this, does this person have the capacity to be led by the Lord to love me the same way the Lord loves me? Can this person forgive me? Here we go. This ain't even February or Valentine's Day. Can this person forgive me the same way that Jesus forgives me? Can this person extend new grace to me every day like Jesus extends new grace? Can this person not hold a grudge like Jesus? Oh, hey, hey. Can this person, can this person really love me? Can this person put themselves or put me before themselves like Jesus has put me before himself? Can this person intercede for me on the daily? Can this person, when they're thinking about me, they pray for me. They're praying for my, for my, for my rise instead of my demise like Jesus does. That's what marriage looks like. And if we put that first, we are beginning with the end in mind. Amen. When it comes to our health, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, I promise we're almost done. But, you know, there's areas that we're called to begin with the end in mind. One is parenthood. One is marriages or relationships. Another is our health. And our health, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, Paul says, you were God's expensive purchase. Hey, somebody say, I'm expensive. I cost something. You did. You were expensive. Lindsay, how expensive were well, Jesus, yeah, I know where you was going. I thought about it too. Oh, okay. I was thinking, how expensive was I? I was thinking of wilding out. 
but you were so expensive. What was the price for you? The price of Jesus's life to the point of death on a cross. But it says you were God's expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. So this is the physical aspect. Use your body physically to bring glory to God. Therefore, take care of your body. Take care of your physical body. I won't go down too many roads, but we should be taking care of our physical body. If we're sick, guess what? You need to go to a doctor. Don't wait it out. I'm definitely talking to myself because I'm one of those, ah, you know, just pop some ibuprofen. We'll be good. And there are some times where you don't always have to go to a doctor. But if you feel like you need to go to a doctor, if the Holy Spirit is giving you wisdom to go to a doctor, guess what? Go to a doctor. You don't have to go to slow care or, or slow pace. That's what we call it. You don't have to go to slow pace. The Lord will give you wisdom. He's created other facilities. But do not wait, amen. But also, also, I, I can definitely attest to this, but if there are certain foods that break you out, but you love the taste of them, you got to put them down. If there are certain foods that make you gassy, if there are certain foods that give you discomfort, even though Lindsay, I love the taste of them, or my grandma used to cook this when I was a kid. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy. But I remember, I remember, I'll give you this example. With this job, I, you know, on the minimum, I walked 10 miles a day with this job. And I remember one day I got off early. It was a good day. I was treating myself. I went and got a cup of coffee. I was telling Miranda this because she was like, you know, the next day she's like, how was your day? I said, not good. I said, the reason wasn't good because of the activities I did the day before, which was I had a cup of coffee at 3 o'clock. We, uh, we had Mexican at 5 o'clock. I had ice cream at 6.30. And then went to bed at like 15 or 9 or maybe 9. That next day when it came time to walk, Oh, I felt all that. I felt all that. I felt, I won't give you details, but I was praying. As I'm walking, I was like, Lord. <laughs> uh, you know, when I first started, I'm walking, taking big steps, checking the meters, all that. But, you know, about a couple hours in, I was like, a couple, one truck drove by me, and he stopped by. He said, you okay, sir? I said, just gave him the thumbs up. I couldn't even get it. Just gave him the thumbs up. Why? Because I did not take care of my body. I didn't glorify God with my food that I ate. I didn't glorify God. Now, in my defense, I was like, I deserve this. You know, I'm getting better at my job. I'm da 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 You know, I deserve a nice treat. I deserve this. I need this caffeine. I need you know, all these different things. But in the retrospect, I didn't glorify God because I didn't take care of my body in that retrospect. And I was paying for it the next day. So I encourage you, take care of your body. He says, glorify God by taking care of your physical body. Why? Because your body, it was an expensive purchase. Amen. Now watch what the Bible says about mental health in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, how we should be taking care of our mental health. It says, so above all, guard the affections of the heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. Y'all catch that phrase? Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. <clears throat> for from there flows the wellspring of life. From there flows the wellspring of life. So guess what? You are commissioned to not only take care of your physical body, but your mental health as well. The state of your heart. Amen? The state of your heart. One of my favorite books, it's called How's Your Soul? And in the very beginning, the, the, the author talks about, you know, when we all get home, we have those comfort zones where we, you know, that spaces where we throw our keys and empty our pockets and kick, our, kick off our shoes because that's where we unload everything. When it comes to your soul, a lot of times we, we, we unload our souls in the wrong spaces. Well, we should be unloading our souls at the feet of God. We should be unloading our souls through prayer and be like, God, this is, this is everything I have going on. 
You know, we physically do that with our keys and wallet and shoes and all the stuff out of our pockets. But with our souls and with our minds, are we doing that with Jesus? Are we saying, Lord, this is everything I got going. Lord, this I'm feeling this way because this person said this or this person won't do that. Or I'm feeling this way because I have these pressures and this pressure. I'm feeling this way because I don't have. Where are we unloading our soul? You know, he said, uh, the, the 23, above all, guard the affection of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. So pay attention where you are finding comfort for your mental state. And make sure that it's, it's Jesus and not something that, that, that just uh, that exuberates our emotions or exuberates our flesh or entertains our flesh. Are we finding solace in Jesus or solace in Netflix? Are we finding solace in Jesus or are we finding solace in caffeine? Are we finding solace in Jesus or are we finding solace in swiping left or swiping right? Are we finding peace in Jesus or are we finding peace in everything else that the world has to offer? Amen. Amen. I promise I didn't come to attack anybody, but we're hitting it. Last but not least, another area that we are called to begin with the end in mind is our finances. Now, understand that it's Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25. As she gets it up, but understand that the scriptures I give you, there are many more scriptures in the Bible. But because of time, we're only doing one or two. But I encourage you, research it out, dig it out. Okay, Lord, my finances, if I'm supposed to, if I'm supposed to, if I'm, when it comes to my finances or when it comes to my physical health or mental health, if I'm supposed to consider you first, show me how to do it. Now in Proverbs 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, says this, generosity brings prosperity. Let's say that again. Generosity brings prosperity. What brings prosperity? Generosity. Watch this. But withholding from charity brings poverty. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. You see that, you see that word heaped? You know what heat means? <sighs> heat. You ever, you ever, yeah, if, if you went to school when I was in school, you know, we had this game called prison ball. And all it was was dodgeball. But in, in the, we'll say dodgeball, just, but in the game of dodgeball, when somebody grabbed the ball, they didn't come up to you and go, you out. They didn't grab the ball, you out. No. If everybody went to school with me, remember, they grabbed that ball. As soon as they got it, all, you would have you thought that they was pulling the strength all the way from their ancestors. They pulled it, just and grit their teeth, and heap that ball on you. And you took, it took everything you could to dodge it, henceforth the name dodgeball. Or if you got hit, you felt the strength of everything. You felt the strength of it all. But nobody ever just lightly, they heaped it upon you. I love this because he says that when we bless others, then we will have blessings heaped upon us. Not just lightly, but you will feel it. You can feel it. But I love it. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated. Somebody say saturated. Saturated with favor. So what is it that you're needing from God? We don't, we don't give to get. But ultimately understand that when you are giving, there is, a, oh, there, is a, there, is, there is a law that is going into place. That when you are giving, guess what? You are going to be, it's going to be given right back to you. We used to sing it. Gonna be given right back to you. Press down, shade together, running over. Shall be given to your bosom. But I love this because those who live to bless others. So therefore, you gotta have a life of generosity. 
You gotta you gotta go through a store and look for somebody that you want to give something to, not because you're like God, I need, I need this and I need that. Okay, therefore I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna go give something because I've done that before. Like God, we need a new we need new vehicle, so we're gonna go give our vehicle. Or Lord, I, I need this, so I'm gonna go give that. And it was and bless God and it blessed the people, but ultimately I didn't. I I felt like we probably didn't do it fully in the right state of mind. Or we might have do it. We may have did it out of deceit, or somebody else deceived us and 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 mischieved us and tricked us into doing this, and then we did that, and and we didn't get what we thought we was gonna get. And ultimately, I'm like, okay, Lord, maybe I didn't give that out of a heart of generosity. Okay, so Lord, give me the opportunity to bless somebody again, but let me do it for the right reasons. And when we do it for the right reasons, blessings are heaped upon us. And when we pour our life out to be a blessing, we are saturated with favor. When you give, guess what? God's not going to leave you in a state of lack. He's going to make sure you're taken care of. And according to the scripture, not only are you going to be taken care of, but you're going to have more than you had before. Amen? Let me end with this. And the, we read it before, the first scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. <clears throat> when we're talking about liturgies and spiritual formation, the reason we're talking about this is because we live in a world where everybody is constantly trying to be like somebody else. And to a certain extent, there's some things that everybody does that, okay, it works, so let's give it a try. And then there's some things that don't work that we're like, okay, we need to be, we need to be more individuals. We need to be more individualistic. Or, you know, when it comes to the church, there's certain things that churches do like, okay, let's try that. Oh, it works. There's certain things that churches do. Oh, you know what? We'll try that. It didn't work, so let's find something else. But also at the end of the day, are we making sure that who we are, it's because it's really who we are, it's, or is it because it's who we've seen somebody else be, so therefore we be it. The scripture Paul says, for you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of Jesus, because that's the one that created you, giving you the full revelation of God. So we have an opportunity to have the full revelation of God. How? By the Holy Spirit renewing us on the daily renewing us on the daily, renewing us. He has to shape our mind. He has to sharpen our mind. We have to be open to what he wants to do. Guess what? What he did today is not the same that he did yesterday. But for some reason, we trust what he did yesterday, but we don't want to trust what he does today. Or we trust what he did yesterday, but we won't trust what he wants to do 10 years from now because it doesn't look like what it was last year or yesterday. If you fully trust Jesus, you got to trust him all the way. If you fully trust the Holy Spirit, you got to trust him all the way. And you got to be like, okay, Lord, what is your desired purpose for my finances? What is your desired purpose for my career? What is your desired purpose for marriage or relationships? What is your desired purpose for everything that I have going on in my life? And then we make that the bar. Everything that's under it, we set aside. But everything that puts us right back to it, we keep.